Hi, everyone. Before we get started on today's episode, we'd just like to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Hair by Escandalo and The Other Side are sister businesses that work together to provide everything from awesome haircuts and colors to waxing services, facials, makeup, lash extensions, and nails. The salon offers a wide array of talented specialty stylists and offers virtual consultations before your color appointments to ensure you get what you're expecting. The Other Side is a boutique spa and clothing store featuring jewelry from different artists all over the country and curated upcycled fashion. None of their services or clothing are gendered, so everyone can feel safe and included from start to finish. Want an appointment? Visit their website, escandalohair.com, or on Instagram at escandalohair for the online booking link. 10% off your services if you mention But What Do We Know podcasts. Thank you so much to Escandalo, and let's get on with today's episode. I'm Marissa and I'm Anna and we're back we're we have like a regular episode today my first regular episode in like four or five months I'm nervous don't be nervous (laughs) but you know when I was doing my notes it followed my typical format of like super detailed in the beginning and then I just like lost steam at the end I just copy and paste it from every source that I looked up to same I, um, everybody, I was like, you know what? God damn it. This is Anna's podcast. Cause as soon as I put that you were on, everybody's like, yeah, woo, Anna. No. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's really nice. Yeah. Thanks everyone. It's really, really sweet. I'm, I do want to tell people that I, I am back log it back. Am oh, I am now backlogged into <laughs> the Instagram page, so now I can see the messages that people sent. I just I'm not replying to them because I feel like it's like gets messy if I'm replying or you're replying. Like it, I feel like it just needs to be one person replying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I see usually them. I'll say something like, "Oh, it's well, mostly it's always me that replies." Yeah. Even in Spanish. <laughs> I don't understand, but I will try. That Google Translate. Yes. So how are you? How's been your your week? Oh, my God. Oh, no. Let me tell you, it's only Tuesday. And (laughs) (laughs) it has been it has been a stressful week already. Why? What's happening? Wedding stuff? Well, just like the wedding is really close and it's all like good stress, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The wedding is here, and now we're in that, like, time where there's nothing to do, but there's everything to pay mm-hmm. kind of thing. So we're, like, putting out a lot. Because no, no bills are due. paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't pay this shit in chunks. You pay it well, all, all at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, you know, because things change, of course, and right. I understand. And, you know, whatever. We knew, but it's just like, oh, well, today we got to do... 
do this. Drop a couple blah, 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 blah. fat on this, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I'm going to Georgia yes. next week. I'm going to Savannah. Maybe if people are there, they can meet us. Yes. Meet me. I'll meet you. I will be in Savannah. Meet me there. <laughs> You'll be, I'll FaceTime you. <laughs> but I'm going to Savannah um, for Chelsea's bachelor, bachelorette weekend on Thursday next week. So exciting. You're going to have a blast. So, Except it's going to be gonna really be hot, I'm sure. I'm going to sweat and I... But I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to go away mm-hmm. before the wedding. I agree. That's what I'm telling myself. When I went to Savannah, it was like late April, early May. And even then it was like too hot for my liking. Oh, I'm going to be so sweaty. I, but I'm, I hate I hate summer. I'm not a summer slash heat person. I'm, I'm just too sweaty. <laughs> I am also sweaty. I haven't left my house in like three days because I'm not dealing no. with this heat. I wouldn't either. Mm-mm. And then dragging but, the baby. Like, when I leave the house now, I have to, like, have get myself together. I have my purse. I have the diaper bag. I have Remy and in his, like, little car seat. And I'm like, this is too much for me to carry. I'm too hot. I'm uncomfortable. Well, and I feel like babies are very hot. Like, mm-hmm. holding them all the time and they get, like, sweaty and, like... And Remy's, like, me, he runs hot. So, like, he's sweaty. Yeah. Like, if he sit, falls asleep in his car seat and then I pick him up, he's, like, all sweat. Yeah, I feel like just... And all my experience with babies, they've always been, like, a little sweat ball mm-hmm. when you pick them up from a nap or... Mm-hmm. We're both sweaty, but, so it's not, uh, not yeah. our time. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, that's that's really it. So like all good stuff. I've been, I don't know, trying to like exercise more. Ugh. But it's really hard. It is hard. It's hard, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do my best. But everybody knows what I look like already. <laughs> Who am I impressing? <laughs> Beautiful. Take me or leave me. <laughs> But what's new with you? <laughs> Not much. Uh, just it's me and Remy hanging out all day, oh. every day. Um, I did start to go back to my hot yoga classes. I saw that. I've only been to two classes. And it's, I mean, it's kind of sucks because I used to go like three to four times a week. But the classes I would go to would be up in like the evening, like 530. But yeah. <sighs> Remy goes to sleep now at like six thirty seven, so it's too cutting it too close. And Eric just gets home from work at six thirty, so it's like yeah, cutting it too close. So now I just go on the weekend, which is fine, and my mom watches him. So that's been fun getting back into that. Um, that's pretty much it. I am having so much anxiety about having to go back to work. And oh, sure. having to send uh, Remy to daycare. And I just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to emotionally handle all of it. You're going to be okay. It's going to probably be like a lot, I'm sure, at first. Everyone said that I talked to, because I took, in America, uh, for our international listeners, we have no maternity leave. Like, no guaranteed no. maternity leave. Um, you can get 12 weeks of FMLA, which is family um medical leave act um but the 12 weeks is unpaid so most people take three months off when they have a baby in america 
Um, so I took six months off because uh, I had a lot of time saved up. But everyone that I talked to, they were like, that was your mistake was taking six months because it's going to be that much harder to go back to work and to have him go to daycare. And I'm like, but I think when I look back at it, I was not ready emotionally or mentally to go back to work at three months. Like I couldn't have done it, especially with him and his tongue tie, like I talked about last week. Um, He just got that fixed at when he was two months old. So like three months old was not enough time. We were just like still figuring out breastfeeding and everything. Yeah. So... I'm I'm glad I took the six months off, but it's gonna be it's gonna be rough getting back. It'll be rough, but I don't know. It'll be. I bet Remy loves daycare. I know, but I was talking to Alyssa about it, and like I have a forty-five minute commute on my days that I go in the office, and yeah. I was talking to other people about this. The like the workforce needs to like stop this whole like in office bullshit. I agree, because. Really, like, I'm going to be dropping Remy off at daycare at 6.30 in the morning, and then on my long days, I won't be able to pick him up until, like, close to 5.30 in the evening, and then he's going to bed at, like, 6.37. Yeah. It's like, I have, like, two hours, if I'm lucky, a day with him, and on those Mm -hmm. days, Eric's not going to see him at all, because Eric gets home at 6.30, and Remy's, like, already getting ready for bed. It's like... So stupid. Like, fuck working like seriously <laughs> it's dumb i hate it i hate it and my mom was like maybe you should send him to daycare like a week early so you can like get used to it i'm like no he's staying with no, me no, until no. the last second possible maybe i don't know there's no there's no solution to it i didn't think i was gonna be this obsessed with my baby i really didn't really yeah i thought i was gonna be like not detached but just like more uh, sane, <laughs> but like I'm obsessed with this kid. <laughs> well, like, isn't that like pretty normal? I know, but I don't, like, I don't know. I was never a mom before. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know. It seems normal. Like, if you weren't, I don't think my it's... parents were obsessed with me. But I guess maybe when I was cute and little, they were. I don't. I don't think my parents are obsessed with me. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> But I mean, I don't know. I always compare it, like, I know, like, babies and dogs aren't the same thing, but, like, I'm obsessed with Andy, like. Right. I'm, so I can't even, if Andy was, like, a child. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine. I don't know how people I, do I, it. I don't know. I don't know how people do it. And Eric said, um, his, I think he said his co-worker, her like granddaughter was or grandson was at a different daycare not the one we're going to but a different one and um the daycare worker slapped her kid her grandson oh hell no in the face and <laughs> me and eric were talking about it. eric's like i don't know what i would do i'd have to murder them i just have to murder yeah. them <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> let's hope I that can't... doesn't happen yeah what else would you do what other option would you have mm-mm mm-mm Eric said that the one time, too, we were at our old house, and Remy was, he fell asleep, um, like, on the couch next to us, and a fire truck drove by with its sirens on, and it woke Remy up out of his nap, and Eric's, like, Eric fell asleep, he was also taking a nap, and he's like, I had a dream that I murdered a firefighter, and I'm like, oh, God. Yo, get it. (laughs) But also, like, waking a baby up from a nap. Oh, mm -mm. not right. He was, like, inconsolable. 
Oh, poor. I saw um, that Remy tried apples today. He did. He loved the he apples. Loved them. But he like spit up a lot like later on. So I don't know if like it didn't sit right with him or what. But maybe, maybe it's too much. I'm gonna try. He did. He ate a lot of it. I'm gonna try again tomorrow and see if like the apples is causing him some kind of tummy issues. Oh, you go, Tommy. Okay, no one cares about my baby. Let's move on. <laughs> no, everybody cares about your baby. Well, um, should we do a brink of tears? So tell me why, 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 why do you cry? Tell me why, why, why do you cry? Lord pushed you to the brink in your car or by the kitchen sink. Tell me why. Sure. Why should we talk about the world? Well, it could be both. <laughs> True. <laughs> Do you have a bring of tears? Yeah, I cried like three times yesterday. Yeah, what happened? Nothing. That's the thing. It just... I was like, oh my god. I just... I have this, like, fear that I'm gonna get to the wedding day and I'm missing something or I'm forgetting something or we're gonna forget to pay someone or i think everyone who has a wedding has that same anxiety that they're forgetting something and even if you did like like i said before like all the main components are there like if you miss one small yeah. thing you're, you're not even gonna notice it i know and i say that i feel like i say the same thing every week and i'll probably say it every week <laughs> until the wedding but i just that's just how i feel i'll be fine so but yeah, we were ten- tensions were high in the the Miller Wayneck household yesterday because we were just like, it was a Monday, like nothing bad, nothing, nothing bad. We were just like, ah! how's Cliff handling the wedding stress? He is just starting his wedding stress. <laughs> it's just beginning for you've him. been having it for two years. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come on, welcome to the club. <laughs> but it's just starting for him. Mm-mm. I'm like, we, I got it all figured out. I got everything figured out. Yeah. Don't worry. He just got, has to show up and get the pinballs there. Exactly. <laughs> Did you have a brink of tears? <sighs> Probably. Um, nothing that sticks out specifically. Um, I've been, like, very disconnected from world events because I haven't been watching the yeah. news. So... Um, I'm trying not like not to watch TV around the baby. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I don't even know what's going on in the world. Um, I mean, I know like the big things like you know Roe v. Wade and you know all that yeah. stuff. But honestly, I really don't know what's going on in the world. I haven't been paying attention, which is very um in like entitled for me to say. But wait, there was something. Oh, I uh, was scrolling through Twitter. And I saw I saw a, a tweet that was like um, a video collage, and it was about um, school shootings, mm-hmm. and it, it was a very well done. It was made from like a by a film production company, but it kind of did a montage of school shootings like dating back to like Columbine, and every time it happened, someone's you know politicians or whoever they're like uh, something has to change, something has to change, and it's been like this for like. 
forever. Like, yeah, like 30 years almost. And it, I'll send it to you. It was really good. But it had me sobbing on the toilet <laughs> as I was scrolling through Twitter. Toilet, toilet crying's the best. But it's true. It's like, why? Like, I mean, I could talk about this for like, you know, three hours. But it just, living in America is just so disheartening. You know? It is. It, and it's not, and I know a lot of people come to America, like, I mean, my, my family came to America for, like, better opportunities and, you know, freedoms and stuff like that, but it's, like, at what cost? Like, we have mm-hmm. the, these freedoms, but what does it give us? It gives us death, it gives us, and then they take away freedoms, like, abortion rights, and it's, like, right. I don't, I don't understand what the concept of America is anymore. I feel very it's lost. It's not... I don't think it is what at all America. Like, I think the concept of America was that once a long time ago it was a good idea, and that was a long time ago when, when people didn't have as many ideas. And I think the people who are making America worse, in my opinion, it always goes back to their religion. And mm-hmm. but they're like the founding fathers would have wanted the founding fathers no, didn't want have. religion. Like they were, they no. were very. They left their countries. To re- get rid of religion. They didn't want that to be part of their government. That's why they made America. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> where the fuck are we now? Nowhere. We're in a literal black hole. America is great in theory. In practice, garbage. Yeah, America looks great on paper. Mm-hmm. It's like my resume. It looks <laughs> super efficient. But yeah, that's that's I think all I have. For updates, I think. Yeah, I, uh, we're very um, we we have very domestic problems. Truly, like my biggest problems are, you know, keeping this little human alive and like getting my house in order before I go back to work. Yep, my house is a literal disaster right now. <laughs> and like, I don't even have a human that I'm trying to keep alive. Like, there's Cliff, of well, course. Yeah. Um, but. Oh, we just, it's all, it's all a mess. Um, before we get started, I have to tell you about this drink I have here. Ooh, what is it? Not sponsored, but you know the juice, like, simply, like, they make orange juice. Yes, I so love it. they make spiked lemonade. What? Yeah, I went to my beer distributor because they posted on their Facebook, and I was like, I need to try this. So I bought, I'm like, I need to try this, so I bought a whole case of it. And <laughs> just a sip. <laughs> but they have like just the regular lemonade. They have strawberry lemonade. They have watermelon lemonade, and they just have uh, a blueberry lemonade. And it is oh my so God. good. It only has a three point six star rating, but I'm like, mm, I give it like a four point eight. It's very good. That sounds delish. So simply uh, lemonade makes spiked lemonade. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's not even really an ad. You're just like, yes, they make this. <laughs> You can buy it. Well, at I, the store. I brought it to Alyssa's house, and I sent a picture to the group chat I'm in with them. And I got there, and Pat was like, "Oh, wait, is this like the lemonade company?" <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh my god!" I when you sent the picture, I was like, "Wow, this is a copyright infringement." I'm like, "No, it's the lemonade it's company. It's le- legit lemonade. <laughs> They're in the spiked game now." This, I mean, how could you not be? <laughs> But if your beer distributor has it, I highly recommend. Well, good. I'm going to try some. Yeah. 
good. Maybe I'll try it in Georgia. Mmm. In Georgia. All right. Well, I, I want to talk about something before yes. we talk about our topics. Yes. Because so, this thing happened near me. It's so The sad. boa constrictor? No, yes, the boa constrictor too, but there's another animal thing. Oh no. It's this one's words. The boa constrictor one like a person died, so I don't feel as sad. But um literally so right down the road from me there was like like actually right down the road from me in a scary way, there was a dog dropped off on the side of the road and he was tortured and killed what yeah Why? no clue it was um last sad or i think maybe two saturdays ago um it was on willow well i won't put it in because that's where i live but like off of willowbrook road which is like the main street before you turn into my apartment mm-hmm. They found him on the side of the cornfield, and they're investigating because he was just dropped off there. It's, like, not a super busy highway. No. Mm-mm. But, it, oh, my God, it scared the shit out of me, poor the poor baby. thing. It was a a tan shepherd mix, a young, a puppy. A puppy? A puppy, yeah. It was, oh, my God. People are but horrible. They're so horrible. Like, for what? Right. Hold on. Now I need. I just wanted to put that out there because it's like an open investigation. But I'll be. I'll be following it. Yeah. Poor thing. Um. Andy, I hear you barking, and don't even. <laughs> um. And if anyone was wondering about the boa constrictor thing, also near <laughs> you. Um. Right. A man who apparently has a lot of snakes in his house, apartment, whatever had an eight-foot boa constrictor who wrapped around his neck and ended up killing him. He It cut oxygen off to his brain. He died in the hospital a couple days later. But here's my thing. Why, who need, why do you have a boa constrictor? You shouldn't. The police showed up, and they ended up shooting the boa constrictor in the head. Oh, my God. Without injuring the, the owner. Um, but the owner was taken to the hospital and he died a few days later due, I forget what the medical term is, but basically there was no, um, oxygen to his brain and he ended up dying. Um, but I'm just like, I understand they had to shoot the boa constrictor cause like to help save the guy. But here's the thing is like the boa constrictor was doing what boa constrictors do. Yeah. Like there's no, like I hate when people have exotic animals. It just pisses me off. And well, I hate like, snakes. I hate snakes. So this isn't even coming up from someone who was like, feel sorry for the snakes. I can't stand snakes. Well, it's also Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is not really the most conducive environment setting. for a yeah. boa constrictor. And he had several snakes in his apartment. If they said he died from anoxic yeah. brain injury. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't. There's no reason. So the article that I'm in right now says it was 18 feet. Oh, oh, 18. I thought it was 8 feet. Jesus. Like, no fucking reason. Oh, my God. Like, how do you... Where do you put that? Yeah, exactly. And honestly, if you have an 18... I'm sure that you don't... Like, 
I just can't imagine that you that anyone around here has the proper living facilities for us an an animal no. like a reptile like that. No. No, I Not that people wouldn't, but not that it's impossible. It just doesn't seem No, the proper dwelling for that would be a fucking like aquarium or yes. like a zoo. And to be fair to the boa constrictor, I can't imagine that he would do that to someone that was you know, meeting their treating needs. Treating him well and mm-hmm. provide yeah, meeting their meeting their needs. Yeah. So or and you know what? Maybe he was really hungry. Who fucking knows? Yeah, yeah. Remember? Oh, was I talking to you about that? There was um, maybe it was on a podcast I was listening to. I can't remember any like the names or any of the details, but there was a case where a family had I think it was a boa constrictor, but it was a very big snake, and they also had children in the home, a child like like a baby like in a crib. And they um, weren't feeding the boa constrictor because they didn't have money to feed him. Um, And they had the boa, whatever it was, some kind of snake. They had it in its tank, but the lid was not secured. Like, it could just pop open the lid. And Mm -hmm. it was hungry. Like, it was, I can't remember the exact details, but, like, let's say the snake was supposed to weigh, like, 50 pounds. It it weighed, like... 15 pounds like it was severely severely underweight but one day the snake got out of its tank and killed the baby because it was needed something to eat went in the baby's crib and ate and suffocated the baby which like sucks yeah totally it's not the baby's fault it's the parents fault but like the snake was doing what snakes do and it's it's not this yeah it's not the snake's fault for being hungry yeah. and seeking out prey like that's just how it works that's why you don't have snakes that size in your home yeah. with a baby I don't know in an unsecured tank yeah if you're like an expert and you you know their environment and you can provide like a suitable living space for them then that's a different story mm-hmm. but. Dude, just like having one in your house with like a in a fish tank that just that's a recipe for disaster. So gross. I like I feel bad for the guy and his family, but uh-huh. I don't know. There's probably more to that story. I don't think there is, to be honest. Well, I mean, like I think that more to this more to the boa instructor's mm. story. The boa side. I think the boa. I take the boa side. Same. Then you shouldn't have been in that apartment. Yeah, I mean, I think about that all the time. Like Andy, as as well. I mean, he just barked for like twenty minutes. But like, if we were dead, he'd probably like eat us. Mhm. Mhm. But they do. Well, they need to survive. And I would be okay with that. Same. So yeah, that's local. The local no, news local here: news. animals and people dead. <laughs> Alright, I am so excited for your topic. Oh my god, I am so excited for my topic, but you go first. Oh, are we switching it up? Wait, do who goes first? Normally you go first, but I can go first. Do I really? Yeah. Oh my god, yes I do. (laughs) I forgot. I can go first, I don't care. Switching it up. I don't care. 
Okay, I'll go first. Oh, it's, right. it's like a new new era. It's a new era. I forgot because I think I've been having other people go first. <laughs> so whatever you want to do, I'm okay either way. No, I'll go. I feel okay. yours is more fun, so we'll end with yours. It's definitely a it's definitely a fun one, but you know what? Still serious. <laughs> All right. So my topic. Um, it's a little bit different than my normal stuff. Um, it's called, well, I'm going to tell you about the Coral Castle. Oh. Have you heard of the Coral Castle? No. Okay. Um, Eric had the, that show, Unexplained, that's hosted by um, Shatner on Netflix or Hulu yeah. or something. And like, yet yeah. on all, he was like taking a nap and this came on. And I was like, I need to look more into this. So I did. So... Coral Castle. It starts with a man named Edward Leeds. I look, should have looked up how to pronounce his last name. Edward Leeds Scalzen. I'm just going to refer to him as Edward. So Edward was born on January 12th, 1887 in Stamarinia Parish in Latvia. There's not a whole bunch of information about his childhood. Um, he did not come from a wealthy family, and he only received a fourth grade education. When he was a child, he was described as being sick, but I don't know what he was sick from. Mm-hmm. Um, but so because of that, he spent a lot of time alone, a lot of time reading books, and just him kind of learning on his own made him become like a lifelong learner and always wanting to learn more things on his own, especially with only having a fourth grade education. So it's also believed that he learned um, how to become a stonemason from his father. He comes from a family of, of masons. Um, when he grew up, he was a little guy. He was only five oh. feet tall. Oh, you're little. And weighed like 100 pounds. So he was a little dude, oh a little guy. Um, so I don't have the exact dates, but um, around the year 1912... When he was 26 years old, he was set to marry a woman that he described as the love of his life. Oh. Well, her name was Agnes Scuffst, but some sources say that her name is Hermine Lucis. Um, but regardless, the love of his life, um, they were set to be married in Latvia, and then he was going to bring her to America. So... Again, he was 26 years old. She was 16 years old. Ew. Mm. Um, she ended up calling off the wedding the day before. Um, and Edward was obviously heartbroken. And he returned to America alone. So we don't know exactly why she called off the wedding. Um, could have been just cold feet. Some people say it's because Edward wasn't wealthy or educated enough for her. I say it's probably because she was 16. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, one website that I read was like, um, because she, she may have called off the wedding because he was just weird. And you'll see <laughs> why pe- people say oh, he's weird. No. So um, he gets dumped and um, he, then he immigrates to America. So he arrives in New York City and was looking for work for several months. And then he ended up moving to the Pacific Northwest to work in the logging industry. Uh, In 1922 to 1923, he developed tuberculosis. And then he decided to move to a warmer climate. 
So he okay. relocated to Florida. So when he moved to Florida, he bought a plot of land in Florida City, and the newspaper at the time said that he was planning to build a home on this plot of land. But he didn't quite build a home. Okay. Instead, he spent the next 28 years building a massive structure he called Rock Gate, which is now known oh as Coral Castle. Mm-hmm. And he dedicated this building structure to quote the girl who had left him years before oh my god the 16 year old the 16 years he spent 28 years building this massive structure for a 16 year old that dumped him how fucking weird (laughs) so coral castle it it's an oolite limestone structure oolite is sedimentary rock that's formed from i had to do my research it's formed from oolites which are spherical grains composed of concentric layers. Oh my god. Oolites are between 0.25 to 2 millimeters in diameter. So if you look at it, they're just like little tiny spheres that make this big, you know, rocks. Yeah. Okay, so you may be asking, okay, Anna, so what? He built some structure from rocks. Like, so what? What's the big deal? Yeah, so what? (laughs) So what? So what? (laughs) So he built the structure all by himself, no heavy machinery, and the structure in total weighs 1,100 tons. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's, like, really big. What? (laughs) So, like I said, he worked on this by himself. He worked on it in the dead of night. With nothing to, like, illuminate it besides a lantern light. <laughs> what? <laughs> he refused to let anyone see him work on it. Um, although one time a couple of teenagers saw him working on it, and when he saw them, he, like, chased them off. Uh, the teenagers said that they saw him moving the rocks like they were hydrogen balloons. So seemingly with, like, very little effort, he was able to move these rocks. Um, Edward did make mention of having a tool called a perpetual motion holder, which is a hypothetical machine that can do work infinitely without any external energy source, which would violate the first or second or both laws of thermodynamics. I don't know what the first and second laws of thermodynamics are. Um, I don't either. I took AP physics in high school, but I only passed Ooh. because of the AP curve. Like, I failed everything. Smarty pants. So, basically, he's saying he has this machine that doesn't exist. Like, they're saying it's hypothetical. It's not an actual machine. But he says he has it. So, in the midst of building his structure, which he, I guess, originally called Ed's Place, he had to move it in 1936 when he decided to move. So there were talks of the area he was living in to be sold. So he decided to relocate the structure um, and it came with him to his current location, to the current location, which is 28655 South Dixie Highway, Miami, Florida, 33033. So it took him three years to move the structure. Um, From what I read, he hired um, a truck driver to come and move the structures back and forth, but the truck driver said, I never helped him like actually move the structures. Like I would show up with my truck, I would leave it there like the night before, 
and I'd come in the morning and all the rocks were in the truck and I just drove it to the next location and then he would come and unload and reload the truck when I wasn't there. What? Yeah. So when he relocated the structure, he renamed it Rock Gate. And the reason it was called Rock Gate is because there's this huge swinging gate that he built into the back wall. Um, There's videos of it. It's kind of like hard to describe, but it's basically like a, a gate and the door is this huge rock that just swings like um, a revolving door. So when the castle was in Forest City, he charged, or when the castle was in Florida City, he charged people 10 cents to see it, which in today's money is like $2.00. Mm-hmm. And then once he moved, he asked for a donation of 25 cents, which would be oh. like $5 today. Um, but if people didn't have money, he would like just let them see it for free. That's nice. So Edward was not only obviously a very hard worker and stonemason, but he was also a self-styled philosopher. Of course he was. <laughs> so he let these people in for like, you know, 10 cents, 25 cents. But when they entered into, see, you know, his structure, he would also give them, like, these self-published pamphlets. Oh, my God. On his views about, like, politics and social issues. Um, And he named one of his booklets a book in every home. And he complained that, quote, the schools and the churches are cheapening the girls. They oh. they oh. are arranging picnics, are coupling up the girls with the fresh boys. The fresh. And then they send them out to the woods, parks, beaches, and other places where they can practice and first-degree lovemaking. Uh, totally not at all related to the 16-year-old that broke not his heart. Not at all. No. Um, Edward also hated people who were unemployed and um, had, like, no social status. Um, He said that they shouldn't have the right to vote. Uh, (laughs) He said, quote, it is not sound to allow the weaklings to vote. Anyone who is too weak to make his own living is not strong enough to vote because their weak influence weakens the state. Um, So he was, like... (laughs) Just to give you, like, his kind of, like, mental status, like, he was kind of, like, a kook, I would say. He was a douche, it sounds like. (laughs) Like, awful. I was like, I'm sorry, Edward. You know, like, people who are unemployed, you spent 28 years building these rock structures. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't think that's employment. Like, Um, So, at the front of the rocks, he carved into the rocks, ring bell twice. So, when tourists or visitors would want to come, you know, see the the stuff he would they would ring the bell and edward himself would come out of the living area of the rock tower and come down and conduct the tour himself oh my god so like i mentioned the rocks weighed in total 1100 tons the stones are put together without any uh mortar which i had to look up because i know nothing about building structures but mortar is like that paste that's between bricks that like lays them together it's just like um Rock, yeah. rock glue. Yeah, rock glue. Um, <laughs> so he built, you know, the castle without any rock glue. <laughs> but the rocks sit on top of one another so tightly that no light passes through them. So you had to cut them with, like, precise... Precision. <laughs> with precision. <laughs> yeah, precise precision. 
Um, so the perimeter of the castle is made of eight foot tall rocks, each of the exact same height, and they have never shifted all these decades later. So, and again, Edward is five foot tall, 100 pounds, moving these eight foot structure rocks without any machinery. Something ain't right. (laughs) Something ain't right. So obviously he never told anyone how he moved these tons of rocks by himself without any equipment. All he would say in like interviews was that, quote, I understand the laws of weight and leverage and I know the secrets of the people who built the pyramids. Of course. And someone asked him again, like in another interview, like, um, how'd you do it? And he just said, it's not difficult if you know how. It's like, okay, well, then how? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, kind of it is, though. Like, (laughs) lifting that much weight by yourself when you only weigh 100 pounds. It's a little difficult. It's definitely difficult, no matter what you say. Yeah. So, and not only are these rocks just, like, massive and... um, like very tightly put together but they're also very some parts of the castle are very um like detailed so Mm -hmm. he i guess lived in this rock castle and he's like like in his living area he carved out of these rocks a sun a, a working sundial a polar telescope a little like barbecue a water well um foundation he made celestial stars and planets he made a heart-shaped table um he made another table in the shape of the state of florida he made 25 rocking chairs 25 and he also made chairs in the shape of crescent moons he made a bathtub beds and a throne this guy sounds insufferable (laughs) like just awful so and then everything on the castle or in the castle with a few exceptions are made from a single piece of stone so he didn't like bind them together or anything that's so weird (laughs) so the average weight of each structure um is 15 tons with the largest being 30 tons oh my god and the largest, two largest pieces are two monoliths, which are 25 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So one of the most memorable structures, like I mentioned, is that eight foot tall gate that he built. Mm-hmm. So this gate fits within the wall um, that it lays in within uh, a quarter of an inch. So it fits like perfectly in there. It was balanced so well that a child could just like push it open with a touch of a finger However, the gate stopped working in 1986, and that's when they figured out how the gate worked. Oh, how did it work? So, when they took it apart, it took six men to take a, and a 50-ton crane to remove it. I'm going to say, Edward did not have a 50-ton crane, <laughs> allegedly. What? So, six men and a 50-ton crane to remove it. So when they removed it, they found that Edward had drilled a hole from the top and bottom of the rock and placed a metal rod in there. Mm -hmm. Then he rested the rod on an old truck bearing. The reason the gate stopped working was because the bearing was rusting out, which is why it stopped turning. 
So they put a new bearing and rod um, in the gate in 1986, but the gate broke again in 2005. So they fixed it again, but it never worked as easily as the original rock gate that he yeah. built. So as um, we've concluded, um, Edward was a weird guy. Um, yes. <laughs> how weird was he? Um, he lived on a diet of crackers and sardines. Oh my god. And then, la- <laughs> and then later in life, he would starve himself. Of course. On November 9th, 1951, he checked himself into a hospital and suffered a stroke. Um, and then he died 28 days later due to a kidney infection. Oh, Somewhere else said that it was, um, stomach cancer, but I think most places say it was a kidney infection. Yeah. So the question is, how did Edward make this? How did he move these literally thousands of tons of stones and build them with such precision and cut them in such a way where light didn't pass through without any tools, without any manpower? Well, some people say that he levitated the rocks with psychic powers what (laughs) some of his neighbors heard him singing or like having um cantations at night so they were like maybe he has some stone mason secrets oh jay miller if you're listening mr jay miller (laughs) um others suggest that edward had um had uh a knowledge of magnetism and so-called earth energies. Mm. Some believe, like I said, that he had that psychic powers or telekinesis. Um, Others say that he had a strange ability to manipulate gravity, anti-gravity, ley lines. Um, And then my favorite theory is obviously that he had access to some kind of alien technology. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So there's this guy by the name of Orville Irwin who wrote a book um, that's called Mr. Kant is Dead. Mm -hmm. Reportedly, he had witnessed Edward quarry his stones and erect parts of the wall. And he actually wrote in his book and illustrated in his book how he did that. And he actually says it's an insult that anyone thinks it was anything other than hard work. My thing is, like, there's one thing between hard work, and then there's another thing about a five-foot-tall, 100-pound man moving tons of bricks, or not bricks, stones, by himself in the dead of night. Well, and also, like, it, it, I don't know why he had to be so secretive about it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up, then, then we can discuss. So, the stone, or the coral castle is um, actually still there it's some people say it's like it's like florida's stonehenge oh my god or florida's pyramids you know um so it's open tuesday through sunday 9 a.m to 6 p.m um and it's 18 dollars for adults for admission eight dollars for children 7 to 12 and children under the age of six get in for free so if anyone's in florida it's in miami now in um, miami-dade county so if you're there, um, check it out. Take pictures and send it to us. But if you look up the pictures online, it is very, like, jarring to see It is what it looks like. 
What do you think happened? <sighs> okay, so he says that he knows how the how the Egyptians built the pyramids. Mm-hmm. So if we're going off of that, I think it's aliens. Do you know that is actually... Oh, I'm going to cut this part out, but did you know that you're we're not even allowed to say that? We're not allowed to say that anymore. Why? Am I getting canceled? <laughs> no. No. Um, I read something that you're... By saying that aliens built the pyramids, that you're undermining the talents of Egyptians. Okay. So here's my thing. You don't have to cut that out. Um... This kind of like leads into my other theory with Edward is that Mm -hmm. I think that some people are just very, um, I think some people are just very, very gifted. And I think with him only having the fourth grade education, I feel like he very much studied how to do these things, engineering, stone masonry, and I feel like he figured something out that the mass public has not and still cannot figure out. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like, you know, I don't want to say God chosen, but like I feel like there's just like these outliers in society who have that that brain power that can figure just things out, do things differently. Yeah, and like if he had this like crazy ability to figure this out then why would he share that? Then everyone can do it. That's true. And he kind of gives off that air, like air about him that he thinks that in some aspects he is better than other people oh, in he, a way. He totally had like some kind of God complex. Yeah. Or Napoleon. So that might be, he had a Napoleon complex. He did a little, he's a little man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it does make sense. I just wonder how. Yeah. I mean... I think he, like, figured it out, but it's just so, it seems like such a monumental feat to do that for anyone. I think even doing that with machinery would be very difficult. I agree. But I wonder if it's some kind of, like, pulley system, because that's how we were taught, like, the pyramids were made. Well, that's what he, you know, and some of the other researchers says, like, he just had, like, I don't want to say he didn't have any tools. He had some tools. He had, like, pulleys. He had levers. He didn't have any heavy machinery. Mm-hmm. But and actually at the Coral Castle now, they have a display of the tools that he used. And mm-hmm. they're just, like, handheld tools. They're nothing, like, crazy. Yeah, just, like, almost primitive kind of. Like... Yeah, which would have been what the Egyptians used to make the pyramids. Right. I just I think he just figured it out. I think he was just very smart and very gifted, and he just figured it out. Yeah, I mean, or, I, I still mean, think he was a aliens. weirdo. Like, like who does that? But I think he, it, it seems a little bit much. It seems a little bit much to uh, spend twenty eight years pining over a sixteen year old that dumped you. But it, I wonder if there's anybody out there that made like stone castles for us. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I know for me, definitely not. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think boys even knew that I existed at 16. So. <laughs> I don't think I dumped anyone. I think I was one of those got dumped or rejected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think probably he was probably just really good at what he did. I think, I still think it's like 
a crazy talent and something like I wild. Agree. And I think like if you look up the pictures, it looks really cool and interesting. I just I want to say aliens, but you know, I think he just figured it out. Yeah, probably. Like aliens is the cool answer. It it is weird that he did this all at nighttime, mm-hmm. but it kind of sounds like maybe he had something to prove to himself. True. True. Who knows though? I guess we'll actually never know. We'll never know. He's dead. Um, I just I just don't think it's a cool little cool little story. I've never heard of that before. So yeah, I I would totally tour that. Yeah, definitely. Next time we're in Miami. <laughs> in, my, in Miami. That is kind of like an interesting thing, though, that he was singing and doing incantations or whatever. Yeah. But you you got to also wonder, too, like how much of that was like local, like, ooh, he was doing spells. like, Or it's some kind of weird like stonemason stuff. That is true. Maybe if my dad would come on here, we could learn more about it. Maybe if Mr. Miller wasn't so afraid. If he was afraid of the trap. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be like, please stop. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get like wasted at your wedding and just ask your dad about. He'll this. be like, nope, <laughs> nope. I'm not telling you. <sighs> they ask him at least once a month. <laughs> I I liked that topic. Thanks. All different. And that was a little interest. That was interesting. Thanks so much. You're welcome. So okay, much. I'm ready for yours. Oh my god. Well, I put up a thing. I, this is actually like a last minute one that I did. Um, because I had a different topic in mind that I was thinking of doing. And then I put up a thing on Instagram that was like, I can't think of anything. Excuse me. I can't think of anything like for future episodes. And someone suggested this. So I started just like looking into it casually. And I was like, oh man, this is it for me. <laughs> So it was my friend Emily who suggested doing the birds aren't real conspiracy theory. Yes. If you, I'm guessing you've heard of it. Well, I know you messaged me. Yeah. Uh, another, my other friend Jesse sent me a message and she was like, please God do this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I didn't know anything about it. So it was quite interesting i don't really know really anything other than people don't think birds are real yeah well you're gonna there's so much info yes so okay so the birds aren't real movement if you don't know i've heard of it before i knew like a little bit about it but nothing crazy so there's actually more than a million people who are followers of the birds aren't real movement. Yes. And it, this movement in like summary com- claims that the birds that you see flying in the sky are actually government surveillance drones. Yes. No, I'm not a big conspiracy. Like I like <laughs> conspiracy theories, but this is not usually the shit that I go mm-hmm. for, but this is pretty historical. Oh, okay. Um, in its origin. So I took a lot of this info from the Birds Aren't Real website. <laughs> I didn't know there was a website. Oh. Let me tell you. There is. <laughs> There's a whole historical thing. So a lot of this is word for word be- from the website because that's where it's from. Mm-hmm. There's no other like place that you can find it. 
so, so in detail. So I tried to summarize it as best as possible. So stay with me here. So, okay. And it all starts like in 1947. And this is where it was born. This is like mm-hmm. where the movement was born from. So the CIA was founded. And like back then the CIA was basically founded to survey Americans who were suspected of doing communist activities. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's. I just says I have doing communist things. Yeah. So it kind of started this orchestrated stalking epidemic that went on for about five years. And in 1951, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were wrongly arrested and convicted of espionage against espionage against the United States, spying against accused of spying on behalf of the Soviet Union. And this was like a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was super publicized at the, for the time. And it gave the government, like, a very small window to start looking at new new forms of surveillance mm-hmm. in America. Especially in uh, areas with a high Russian immigration concentration. Or immigrant concentration, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So, the CIA had to really amp, ramp up their security system. And now this is, you know, from the website. So, so they, they knew that there were many possibilities for camera programs at the time. They were being invented. Mm -hmm. They were learning more about them. The CIA, they were obviously more advanced than like we were as regular people. Mm -hmm. So on April 15th, 1956, uh, the CIA met with President Dwight D. Eisenhower and proposed a plan that would put cameras in the sky. Okay. Um, hold on. I missed a spot here. I introduced a person and then never <laughs> described who they were. Oh, okay, okay. So it was Alan Duell's Duelas, Duels, who was the first civilian director of the CIA. Okay. And it, he made this his mission to kind of like amp up surveillance. Mm-hmm. So he met with Eisenhower and proposed a plan that would put cameras in the sky. And Duels knew that the sky was like a perfect place for the future, for his surveillance program, and that you could track people with a moving camera it was much easier than like switching right between cameras around the place of course so they're like one camera in the sky could do the work of a hundred cameras on the ground Mm -hmm. so the cia went to like birds immediately and this is you know again a summary but it's believed that the initial plan for killing all of the birds in the United States and replacing them with flying cameras was thought up one weekend in May of 1956 where Duels and his team who hated, they didn't like birds, <laughs> essentially. They just didn't like them. And they called them flying slugs and <laughs> <laughs> the scum of the sky. Oh my god! <laughs> and 
they would poop on they this is not the words i'm just like mm-hmm. paraphrasing but they because they would poop a lot on their cars because there was like yeah. a lot of birds in the metropolitan mm-hmm. the dc metro area um so <laughs> so well, in a stolen transcript from an ex-CIA deputy, it says, Yeah, the higher-ups were so annoyed that birds had been dropping fecal matter on their car windows that they vowed to wipe out every single flying oh feathered God. creature in North America. <laughs> fucking birds. That's fucking birds. Yeah, because birds don't fly over from other countries. Right. Yeah. So they the CIA met, and they sought to kill... Oh my god. <laughs> they, they sought to kill all the birds and the remove birds. them all from the United States, which would also eliminate the massive fecal issue. Right. Um, god forbid you take also, your car to a car wash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could do that too. Um, but they would also just replace birds with. Billions of sophisticated robot lookalikes capable of mimicking real birds very, in every way. Very cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and expensive. Not wasting our tax dollars Not at all. all. So, Duels, the director, was single-handedly responsible for killing all of the birds. <laughs> well, with like a shotgun? <laughs> he took <laughs> So, on May 6, 1957, he met with an unidentified man from the Boeing Airplane Company and ordered 120 B-52 bombers. Uh, He knew if his government was to go undetected, he had to keep the aircraft private and out of sight. And he was under, like, strict orders to be as discreet as possible. And... He devised a plan to construct the aircraft in not, uh, oh my gosh. He wanted to construct the aircraft in Area 51 (gasps) in Nevada. Mm. So that way all of, you know, the citizens and everything wouldn't be able to claim that anything had been nearby Mm -hmm. if anybody was exposed. So, making it to Area 51, there were 22 engineers who were tasked with designing a new version of the B-52, the B-52B. Um, the B standing for bird. <laughs> and, it was, <laughs> and it was to be a brand new model of the B-52 that had 450-gallon water tanks in the place of bomb compartments. I don't know anything about bombs. Me so. It seems right. Yeah, sure. So once the water tanks were fitted onto each bomber, a complex system of radar and tracking technology was installed into the nose of the aircraft. The technology was very advanced for its time, and it was used by the crew to track large flocks of birds from distances up to 200 miles away. Once the radar was fitted, five coats of jet black matte paint were sprayed onto every surface, to camouflage the aircraft against the night sky. So the water tanks in the bombs were filled with a formula. It was a specially formulated bird poison that (laughs) that 
once consumed by birds, it would give the bird a virus that could be passed on to other birds. They COVID the birds. They COVIDed the birds. Mm -hmm. And the poison was sprayed from an altitude of 8,000 feet and would completely dissolve before it hit the ground, which meant that only birds would be affected by the poison itself. Okay. Um, It was also able to take hold the virus was able to take hold through the fibers in of the bird's feathers into the bloodstream and would affect the bone structure in such a way that total decomposition of the birds would take place within 24 hours oh my god yeah very advanced formula very advanced so within the next six years 15 percent of the bird population had been according to the birds aren't real community had been wiped out and during these first few years there were bird prototypes released by the 100 i don't i don't know what this means but they were there were bird prototypes released by the government Mm -hmm. the term drone was not like a thing back then Mm -hmm. so they were just called robot birds (laughs) and there were no other precedents Aware, besides Roosevelt, who, you know, who had originated kind of the idea, no other presidents were made aware until John F. Kennedy was brought into office. Okay. And on October 25th, 1963, John F. Kennedy was shown a prototype of the Turkey X-500, a robot that specialized in killing larger birds like eagles and falcons. Oh, and the robot displayed its surveillance skills as well as its ability to find and track escaped criminals. And Kennedy was very impressed with what he saw, but he demanded that the operation be shut down immediately. Uh, and then a month later, he was assassinated. Oh, checks out. So they're like, oh, you know, it's not directly related, but... <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, after the... After Kennedy was killed, the CIA started rigging elections, and they only allowed candidates who were anti-bird and pro-citizen surveillance to win the presidency. Trump would be anti-bird. What? Trump would definitely be anti-bird. Oh, Trump actually comes into this quite heavily. (laughs) Sorry, I don't want to jump ahead. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's okay. Please do. Don't want to fly ahead. Don't want to fly. (laughs) So William Colby, the new head of the CIA under Gerald Ford, renamed Operation Water the County to Operation Very Large Bird uh, and enacted an internal rule that anyone who worked on the original operation couldn't be working in this new operation. So need new fresh, fresh eyes, new, new set fresh of eyes. eyes. Uh-huh. So it'd be, it had been 10 years since the operation began, and they had only managed to replace 26% of the bird population with robots. And this was 35% under target. So they wanted to hire some new people to, you know, get things moving. Right. Um, so that's just like a general history about the Very birds. detailed. Mm-hmm. The bird, yeah. Uh, the majority of the birds are programmed to not cross over into bordering countries like America or America, Canada and Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, they still, there are some that still go into other countries for a few different reasons, like picking up drugs 
for delivery to major cities in America um, for control, of course, on citizens. And there is another, I guess, some birds will also fly into neighboring countries to monitor vacationing Americans. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, if they only go into America... Do they also go to Alaska and Hawaii? Like, if they go to Alaska, do they? They can't go through Canada. They have to like go. They probably have to go around over the ocean, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's um, there there will never, according to the birds aren't real conspiracy, there will never be a hundred percent robot bird population in America. Why? It will most likely always be around ninety five percent, as birds are always flying from neighboring countries. True. 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 Um. So, do you think like the do you think the birds like come from other countries and they're like we're ninety five percent robot birds? They see a robot bird, they're like, what the fuck is the fuck is going on? (laughs) Um. So they're just like, what the fuck? And they fly right back. They're like, hell no! Like America's ghetto as shit. They lock their car doors <laughs> coming over. Okay, so here's a fun twist on this story. Another one. None of it's real. No! None Stop. of it's real. This is all a satire, a satirical no. movement. I was like, how am I going to, because I was reading it, and then I figured out that this was not real. And I'm like, how am I going to do a whole episode on this? So I'm like, I'm going to just pretend that it's real. Oh, no. (laughs) So uh, this conspiracy theory, uh, the creator of Birds Aren't Real and the movement's followers are all in on one big joke. (laughs) The Birds Aren't Real conspiracy (laughs) is not real. And they are all aware that it is made up. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. So disenchanted. I, but just, just wait. So the, the birds aren't real. Birds aren't real was started by, um, well, I I think he might, he's probably like 25 or 26 now by a college dropout named Peter McIndoe in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, And after seeing a, pro-Trump counter protesters (laughs) at the 2017 Women's March in Memphis wrote the words birds aren't real on a poster and then just improvised when people asked him about it this theory that he had that birds weren't real they were surveillance drones and like things do this made it onto YouTube Yes, and it went viral like in an instant yeah and in 2017 he posted on facebook he said i made a satirical movement a few months ago (laughs) and people on instagram seem to like it a lot (laughs) and it was it was everywhere people were making posters there were like different like rallies happening birds are real all this shit um and it started a complete movement so much that he later came out and said that the original post he did on facebook saying like oh i made this like satirical thing it's funny ha 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 he put he said in a 
in a statement um, that he... He, he later disclaimed the post saying it was written by a staffer who was fired and did not admit and did not admit until 2021 that he did not truly truly believe the conspiracy wow. himself. So this became his full-time job. Oh my god. Fun. And he enlisted his friend Connor Gatos who's a big history fan to write up the entire backstory for the Birds Aren't Real movement. Oh my god. To give it a lot more substance, which is where most of my information is sourced on. This guy's just, like, random historical information. So the protests are everywhere. There's, like, a million followers for this shit. Yes. And the supporters do demonstrations, like, quite often. Like, they're active now um, with signs, you know, that say things like, birds aren't real. Um, They actually are... They put up a billboard in 2019 in Memphis, Tennessee, that just said, birds aren't real. Wait, are they in on it? The protesters? Everybody's in on it. But do you feel like there's anyone that, like, isn't in on it? And they're like... Yes. Okay. So QAnon has a huge problem with this. God. And... They, it's a lot of like older people that are like, you need help. Like, that's not true. Or like, it, it's, I don't know, people who believe in QAnon yeah. are also like, oh, but it's all people like our age and younger yeah. that are in on this like inside joke that do the protests right. and everything okay. like okay. that. Um, so, <laughs> in 2021, there were... Supporters who demonstrated in front of Twitter, their San Francisco headquarters, demanding that the company change its logo. (laughs) Um, So just like a little bit of, well, so yeah, um, McIndoe, he, he made this his life. He dropped, he was a psychology major in college and he dropped out and he created like this persona that believed in all of this and he goes on tours like oh to colleges and what a dream does, job right uh and in he actually hired an actor to portray a former cia agent who confessed to working on bird drone surveillance which re- which received over 20 million views on tiktok <laughs> it's a oh my god it's so good wow um, the group has since accused news stations like CNN of being pro-bird. Uh, <laughs> and they uh, use the phrase, if it flies, it spies, often <laughs> in their protests. But recently, McIndoe has come out and given interviews, not as the character he's created, mm-hmm. but of himself to kind of explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a 60 Minutes interview with him, and he kind of just explains that this became something he grew up in, like, a very fundamentalist mm. area mm-hmm. of Tennessee, like, the South. I, I actually don't know where he grew up. Um, but he said that it just became so scary that people believe in such bullshit ideas. <laughs> so he just made something up, and it took off for some reason. Um... So I started 
I, and he he also said something that I thought was like very interesting. He's like, we keep hearing bullshit things like QAnon is dangerous and they're talking about pedophiles and everything. He's like, why don't we just? He also he made it like almost a social experience to see experiment to see how fast misinformation can be spread. Yeah, right. Um. So I looked on I was on their website for a while. And just tried to see, like, what their most recent stuff was. And the most recent incident, like, significant incident incidents was in March of 2021 uh, when something called Poultry Gate happened. <laughs> and it was several emails leaked from the White House and Pet- Pentagon. And they stated that many politicians and, and elites are involved with the bird drone surveillance crisis such as Ted Cruz and Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. The government has hollowed out countless mountains in the United States using the empty innards of them as factories to build bird drones to complete this massive (laughs) renovation project. They recruited the help of Ty Pennington of Extreme (laughs) Home Makeover. (laughs) And uh, many in the highest ranks of our society are admitted ornithophiles which are like bird lovers, <laughs> bird experts. So it's, it's all a funny thing, but I thought I like wrapped it up. So Cam- Cameron Caskey, he was one of the survivors from the Parkland shootings. Mm-hmm. He's actually like on the board of Birds Aren't Real. Wow. Or, I mean, maybe it's not a board. It's just, like, he's one of the co-creators in the Birds Aren't Real movement. Yeah. And he also organized the March for Our Lives student protest against Mm -hmm. gun violence. So, like, he has, you know, he knows what's going on. Right. But I think he said it the best. He said, it makes you stop for a second and laugh. It's in a uniquely bleak time to come of age. It doesn't hurt to have something to laugh about together. Aww. And I thought that was so nice. I love this. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I was reading about it and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is not, makes no sense. I'm so glad you did it because I had no idea it was satire. Like I said, I didn't really know anything about it. Like I knew that this no. conspiracy theory was out there, but I never really looked into it. I just thought people really thought birds weren't real and that they were government so drones. Too. Um. Like, I thought that was, like, a, a genuine thought process. But I feel better that it's all satire, but it's it's uh, it's great. It's hilarious. I love it. Their merch is so fucking funny. Oh, I might have to get some. I, just, like, anything that says, if it flies, it spies, is, like, <laughs> it's just so stupid. And I love it. And they're so into it. And I looked it up, and the closest chapter I could find was in Philly. Okay, not too bad. So it's still kind of close, yeah. but not not close enough. Not close enough for us to join. Damn. But I was like, this is, at first I'm like, oh, maybe this is like not our content, but it's I, totally we our talk content. about conspiracy theories. We talk about a lot of weird stuff on here. Yeah. I love it. Because I feel I like people, laughed out loud. I feel like people do think that it's like a legitimate conspiracy theory because like me if they don't know that it's satire they believe that it's a real theory floating around which is so scary because it i think it proves the point yeah definitely that you can 
that people because that's I thought the exact same thing, and I'm like, fuck. Well, I guess I'm like proving their part point. of the experiment. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That you can just believe random shit. Now we know. Now we got educated. The interviews are so funny, though. Oh, I have to look them up later. It's so good because he, like, for the first couple years, just didn't admit that it was a lie. Yeah. And just went with it, and I I really admire. The fact that he made a career out of it is, like, beautiful. I know. There's dumb me clocking in and out of an office. I know, I could have made some shit up. (laughs) About birds. Oh, one of the things, the thing about Trump was that he was actually building the wall to so Mexican birds can't get in yeah so that real birds aren't able to interfere with like the robot birds or some shit like that like because he's pro bird right he would be pro bird yeah a hundred (laughs) percent yeah so that's my fun little topic I loved it thank you so much oh my god of course well, it's, it's great to be back to regular back format. Back at the grind. Back at the grind. Um, all right, so we can wrap it up, I guess. Um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email us at butwhatdoweknowpod at gmail.com. Um, you can now rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes. It's been a while since we got a review. No, be nice. Be nice. Five stars only. Um, I think that's it. Cool. Okay. Bye. Bye.